Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, Vicki and I talk about the unique challenges of sharing the gospel at an abortion center and how to biblically overcome those challenges. Stay with us. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Hey there. Welcome to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. I'm here with Daniel Parks. Yep. And today we are going to talk about the unique challenges of sharing the gospel at an abortion center. Because it is unique. It's, it's yep. not like sharing the gospel at Walmart uh-huh. or, or at your local flea market. <laughs> Handing out <laughs> tracks at the flea market. That's right. Even though that's it, really It has cool. some unique challenges. And um, we've really discovered that in our years being out there. Yeah. That, that there are some typical rationalizations, there justifications mm-hmm. that you hear, and that you honestly can make matters worse. Yeah. by uh, what you decide to share with the women. And you have to be yeah, careful. Even, even sometimes the timing. We did a podcast uh, some months ago about the message of forgiveness and that there's a, a real uh, need for us to think through our timing as we're talking about forgiveness and, and those right. sort of things. And, right. of course, the gospel includes the forgiveness of sin. So there are some challenges. There's some timing issues we mm-hmm. need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, some wording issues, some, yeah. some, some things that we'll confront in front of an abortion center that we might not confront in other scenarios when we're sharing the gospel. It's not like the gospel changes. The gospel doesn't. The gospel is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The gospel doesn't change. But the situations in which you are presenting the gospel do. Yeah. And Paul was all things to all people, and he learned to look at the circumstances of the people to whom he was addressing, and he would alter his presentation based upon that, and he was obviously very successful. Yeah. I think that is our, our goal. Yeah. First and foremost, I'll, I'll just touch real quick on mm-hmm. the necessity of the gospel. Oh, that's a great point. This yeah. is the Gospel Centered Pro Life yeah. Podcast. Yeah. And we always. So we'd have to change our name if, yeah, if we, we weren't. We certainly don't want to change right, our name no. and we don't want to go uh, move away from the necessity of the gospel. Right. Understanding Romans 1 16 tells us that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Mm-hmm. We can't invent enough good strategies and ideas to trick people into, you know, doing what God wants them to do. No, it's the power of the gospel. And the Holy Spirit changing a human heart. So I want to encourage all of you guys because we can slip into a mode when we're involved in a ministry like pro-life ministry. We're really dealing with life and death. We can slip into like a humanitarian effort mode yeah. and neglect the gospel, make it a yeah. side issue, make the gospel something we can't attack on at the end. Mm-hmm. And there are times when we can't just get right to the gospel. We are dealing with life and death, and we need to, of course, everything we say is seasoned with the gospel. Right. But that we might need to address certain issues that this mom is facing and then share the gospel. But it's not something we're just doing as a side issue. The gospel, it's got to season everything that we do. And it's got to be ultimately where we're getting to with all of our conversations is what God has done for lost human beings to rescue and to save them from their sin. Right. And I I think I've heard many people say, well, the gospel really is simple. Well, it is. Yeah. But we don't want to become lazy Mm -hmm. in how we present the simplicity of 
of the gospel, because there are times that we make it so simple that it becomes twisted and rationalized in their mind. That's what they're doing. For example, the message of forgiveness. Well, God will forgive us. That's the simple truth. And therefore, it's okay for me to go do whatever I want to do. And we know certainly there's biblical proof that, no, that is not accurate. Um, so let's just maybe jump right into let's some of the, the typical rationalizations that we, that we face. I wrote an article, as I often do, as we're kind of organizing our thoughts here, and there are some things that we have seen over and over and over again that are twisted rationalizations using the gospel to justify killing their babies. Yeah. So one of the first ones. Number one, women claim to be believers as they plan their baby's death. Yeah. We hear it over and over again, certainly in the Bible Belt. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm going to go and do this, and God's going to mm-hmm. forgive me. There's mm-hmm. this mentality that somehow God is beholden to us as human beings, and he's got to forgive us. Right. Because after all, that's what he was created for, mm-hmm. to forgive us and make mm-hmm. us feel better about ourselves. That's yeah. the mentality. Yeah. And the reality, scripturally, is that we were created for him, mm-hmm. by him, mm-hmm. that we're beholden to him. He's not beholden to us. And God doesn't have to forgive anyone for anything. Right. He, right. He's not like some genie that if you just do this magic formula, somehow you're forgiven. It's, or that it's, somehow you do that magic formula and you're a believer. Yeah. And and in and many cases, that's what they're saying. I'm yeah. I'm a believer, and you can't tell me I'm I'm not. Right. Um. Be, and and the fact that I'm going in to kill my child uh, does not demonstrate that my faith is not real or that my belief is is not real. And our point in uh, pointing out that that maybe they are not believers is not to uh, to condemn or to um, uh, to make them feel that they are less of a person than we are, but to point out that if they are believers, they won't kill their baby. Yeah. They will do what, what, will what God, God says. Yeah. So I've got a good verse for that. Right. This is a verse that I um, I think directs, directly addresses this, um, and, and one that you can use. If you have someone who's saying, well, I'm, Jesus is my Lord, and you can't tell me he's not, and I'm going to go in there and kill my baby and then ask forgiveness. Yeah. So it's from James 2, 14 to 17. Okay. Is the verse you want to read it? Sure. Um, just save my voice. Yeah. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go, in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Yeah, and so this scripture tells us that if you say that you have faith— that faith actually should be demonstrated in what you do. It's not real faith. It's not a living faith unless it, it's demonstrated in what you actually do. And, of course, the Bible does not teach a works-based salvation. Right. Salvation right. is not by works. But the natural outflow of salvation, of true faith in God, is works. You're going to do things that correspond with faith in God. And if you're going to say that you have faith and trust in God and yet do something so egregious as killing your child, then you've demonstrated through your actions that actually your faith is not real. It's not a substantive faith. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and and for us as a gospel-centered ministry, it would be doing a great disservice to women as they go in or as they come out if they say, I'm a believer, I put my faith in the Lord, and yet they're on their third, fourth, fifth abortion, and they'll probably be back for a sixth. Yeah. This is a false convert. This is yeah. not someone who has submitted their life to God. And so it is, an, I think, very important to challenge that. Yeah. I don't think that, I think it's easy for, easier for us to sometimes say, well, they said they're a believer, Yeah. and just accept that. But I don't think that that is a loving thing to do. No, it's, it's actually one of the, for me personally, in my mm-hmm. testimony, one of the most loving things that someone did to me and my brother mm-hmm. <laughs> was actually to confront me yeah. and say, hey, man, your life doesn't line up with what you're saying. I was a false convert right. for about three years, yeah. claiming to be a Christian, yet still doing the things I've always done. Didn't change one bit, mm-hmm. you know, still doing drugs and lying and all, fornicating mm-hmm. all the things that mm-hmm. I did before. Yeah. And my brother did the most loving thing that he could have done. He confronted me. He did it very graciously. Yeah. And I think there's a way that we can do it very graciously. I mm-hmm. think when we confront some hypocrisy in someone's life, we need to do it with Scripture mm-hmm. on a scriptural basis, not a based on our opinion. Well, my opinion is if you're here, you should know. The Bible says that right. no murderer has eternal life in himself. Yeah. You can't be a Christian murderer. It's impossible. Yeah. So to murder your child and to claim to be a Christian are two incompatible things. Right. right. So either you're, you're not a true Christian and you're a false convert, or you are are a true Christian, and you're going to turn away from murdering your child. That's right. And, and and asking lots of questions to help them come to those conclusions after you've presented them with the truth is, is as we've said in the past, a really good a really good strategy for yeah. helping them to admit, hey, maybe I'm not a believer. Yeah. Uh, Ray Comfort does that in when people say, I'm a good person. I right. just talked with a woman today, shared the gospel with a woman today, who said she was a good person. And I mm-hmm. said, well, let me ask you some questions, and I'll... I'll answer them as well. Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever fornicated? Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? And by the time we finished with our list of questions, I said, are you a good person? And she said, I guess I'm really not. (laughs) But she (laughs) came to that conclusion on her own. And I think that that, that through targeted questions, and I think that we can do the same in challenging people when they say, I'm a Christian, rather than accepting that face value, because you will hear it if you're on the sidewalk of an abortion center, you will hear it all the time, at least yeah. if you're in the South. Now, again, our our mentality has to be one of we're not just pointing these things out, calling them unbelievers to make ourselves feel better. Right. Or just to tear them down. Yes. Because we can do this very graciously. You can talk someone through and show them what the Scripture says. Yeah. And show them that they're, they're actually not right with God. And you can do it in such a way that's very gracious, but forthright, rather than just, you're not just blasting, lamb blasting them right. at, at, with some certain truths from the Scripture. Yes, and I know for a fact that you do that. You for sure do that, Daniel. I could use a little work on it. I hammer them really hard, or I'm very gracious? <laughs> no, you're very gracious. Okay, You're good. very gracious. Thank you. Okay, so the second one. Women claim that it, and this is what you started alluding to earlier on, women claim that it is okay to abort since God is a forgiving God. We have dealt with that in a oh, past podcasts, but yeah. uh, I've heard over and over again, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do this because I know God will forgive me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's again, I think you'd said it well. You said, you're not really asking God for forgiveness. You're trying to ask God for permission mm-hmm. to kill your child. Yeah. And God does not grant us permission 
to right. disobey him. Yeah. yeah. So it's not really about forgiveness. It's a mentality. And Paul addresses it when he talks about those who take the mercy of God for granted. They take the grace of God as a license for sin. Right. And it proves that they don't know the Lord. Yeah. They have not had a true encounter with this holy, holy, holy God. Yeah, and that's in Romans 6, 1, to 1 through 14, but where he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? May By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And that's yeah. a great verse to, to mention to yeah. a mom who says, I'm going to go in because I know that God... God will forgive me. Yeah, in in those situations, too, it's good, I think, and I think it's very biblical, to Mm -hmm. use analogies. Yeah. To to say, well, if I told you that, you know, you're away for the weekend and I'm going to break in your house and steal all your stuff, (laughs) but you're going to forgive me because you're a forgiving person, would you be okay with that? Right. Would would I be a person that would receive your forgiveness? Yeah. Of course not, right? right? I'm planning in my own wicked heart to do evil and then... Because you're nice, you're going to forgive me. Right. How's that going to work out for me? Not too good. Right. right? I'm, right. I'm going to suffer consequences. Right. And stories are great. And that, that does often, I think, change people's ability to see yeah. what Paul is talking about in that, in that verse and the flaw in their own argument. So the third one is that women claim that all sin is the same. Yeah. So abortion is not so terrible. And I, I'll hear the, the various permutations of that. But one is, have you ever told a lie? Well, I'm about to go, go have an abortion, but you're a liar. You've told lies. Yeah. And so we need to address that because not all sin is the same. All sin separates us right. from the glory of God. And they're, they're correct in that. But there are magnitudes of sin, and there are differing punishments for sin. Yeah. And I know you're turning to something while you're looking there. The one I'm actually turning to the, the scripture that you have there. Okay, John 19, the, these are 11. these are this is a great scripture I think addressing that. And when I've read that to women who say all sin is the same, and I'll say, well, actually. Jesus himself would disagree with you. Yeah. And we can prove that because Scripture supports that. Yeah, yeah. And here Jesus answered. This is in uh, John 19, verse 11. Yeah. This is Jesus before Pilate, Mm -hmm. right before he's about to be crucified. Mm -hmm. And Jesus answered and said, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Greater. So the word greater there implies that there's lesser sin. Now, there can be some confusion here for people. And, you know, one of the things we, we deal with on a regular basis is just biblically illiterate people. Right. People who've taken certain, I don't know, passages out of context or messages from the pulpit and taking them to mean something that, that God never intended. So the idea that all sin is the same is not a biblical concept. Right. At all. But you, you cannot, hear it all the time. This is so widespread. Yeah. Yeah. And so you you deal with biblical illiteracy mm-hmm. and bringing the Bible into the equation and showing people, actually, here's what the Scripture says. You're confronting biblical illiteracy, and yeah. you're bringing the truth of God's Word into the equation. But also, again, I think helping with analogies mm-hmm. is is pretty helpful. You mm-hmm. know, if you stand before an earthly judge and you stole a Pepsi at the store— <laughs> Are your consequences going to be the same? Is it the same as if you murdered your next door neighbor? Of course not. Those two things are very different. We have consequences that are very different for these different kinds of sins. But, of course, 
all sin does separate us from God. Right. All sin, whether you tell one little, quote, white lie, mm-hmm. or whether you kill someone, you are still separated from a holy God. Mm-hmm. So that is a truth. All mm-hmm. sin separates us, and you said it very well. Yeah. All yeah. sin separates us from God, but not all sin is the same. That's right. That's right. And, what, and you know, sometimes this can almost feel academic, like, okay, so big deal. You, you've really made a nice organized chart of all the rationalizations. Yeah. But there's a reason why they're so important to know. Because if a woman is claiming that all sin is the same, and all of us probably every day, there is like what I would call a little sin in yeah. our life. We've told a white lie. We've said, yes, dinner tastes delicious, honey. Yeah. When honestly, it probably maybe didn't. We've all done that but we all are not killing our babies. Yeah. And there is a difference. And it's very important that they recognize that stumbling is not the same as just a free fall jump off of a cliff of sin. Yeah. And that's what abortion is. Yeah, and the reality is no one actually believes that all sin is the same. No one actually believes that. In their everyday life, Right. we all know that there are there are sins that are more egregious than others, right? Right. There are things that people do where you wonder how in the world could they ever do something so evil, yeah. right? Yeah. And then there are things that, that people do that are still evil, and yet they're pretty common evils, like yeah. stealing a Pepsi from the grocery store right. or whatever yeah. it might be. Those things are sin, and they still separate people from God. Yeah. People that do that are still thieves. Mm-hmm. However, we all would recognize there are different levels of sin. Mm-hmm. Helping a mom to understand that is is can be helpful in giving analogies and, of course, right. given what the Scripture says. Totally agree. So this one uh, is a fun one. Okay. This is the fourth one. Women claim that God gave us free will to choose abortion. Okay. It's accurate. He did. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so we do have the freedom of the will right. to do evil and, of course, as human beings, we do pretty good at doing evil, don't we? Yes, we, we do. We do pretty sadly. good at, at taking yes. this free will yep. and giving it to uh, to sin. And one of the things that I will say, and I've had conversations with many young men that come over on the sidewalk, and they're there with their girlfriend or their wife for an abortion, and they say something this, very similar, yeah. didn't God give us free will? Right. And so my response typically is this. Just because God gave you free will to do something does not mean that it's okay for you to do what you want to with that will. As a matter of fact, when you stand before him, it's what you've done with the free will that he's given you that you'll be held accountable for. Exactly. So just because God allows you to do something doesn't mean he's okay with what you've done. And uh, it, it can help bring some truth into the equation there and help these folks to think this through. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a really ridiculous statement. Just because... God doesn't strike you dead before you do something that means he's okay with what you're doing. Right, right. So there's a very different thing between free will and his desire and permission. Yeah. He Well, I guess he does permit you, but his desire is clearly not. And one of the best verses for that, I think, is Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20. Yeah. Maybe... Well, many of you guys probably know this scripture, but I call heaven and earth to witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse... Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land, and that the Lord that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give yeah, them. So here's yeah. this promise of God mm-hmm. that 
Before you is the choice of life, mm-hmm. death, blessing, and cursing. He gives you that Therefore, choice. Therefore, choose life. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he said it before humanity mm-hmm. to choose life, death, blessing, and cursing. Um, you know, and we deal with the issue of choice and people choosing to do what they want to do. Of course, we mentioned before we deal with the pro-aborts that talk about choice. Right. And many of them will say, a woman has the right to choose abortion, mm-hmm. doesn't she? And I will say... Yes, she does. Mm-hmm. She can choose to go right in that abortion clinic and kill her child. Yeah. However, that choice has consequences. Mm-hmm. Listen, if abortion was illegal, people can still choose to kill right. their children. Sure. Right now, it's illegal to kill three-year-olds. Yeah. Can a can a mother of a three-year-old choose to kill her child? Mm-hmm. She can. Actually, yeah. she can. Yeah. And that has happened. That doesn't make it right. Right. So the legality of it doesn't make it right. Mm-hmm. The, the the fact that God gives people the ability to choose things doesn't make it right. That's a ridiculous notion. Right. Ridiculous, but we hear it all the time. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Okay. Now, in, in none of these, as you're responding to a mom or to a dad going into an abortion center, do you need to voice how ridiculous these things no, are to them? No, you need to hear helpful. what they're saying. <laughs> not helpful. But it is good... Um, it, it is good to think through some responses, yes. not write them off immediately. It's easy to do because you hear these things so often. It's like you can probably repeat what's the next thing they're going to say because right. you hear them so often. Yeah. But again, you know, our attitude, listening to what they're saying is helpful. And then answering with a scriptural answer, answering with a common sense answer is helpful. So taking the attitude that I'm taking to say that they're just completely ridiculous. Well, that's true. But that's just between you and me. That's just between us, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely, I think it's uh, it's important to acknowledge the truth of what they've said. God did give us free will. I will say that all the time. You're correct. He did give us free will. But and then you counter with the scriptural truth about what He wants us to do with that free will, because He's clear and He's very clear in that verse. Choose life. Yeah. He sets before us life and death. Therefore, choose life. Do, do the right thing and yeah, is basically what, exactly. what that's saying. This one is one of my favorites. Not. <laughs> Not. Women claim that Jesus is their Lord since they asked him into their hearts. Yeah. So I, I often share Romans 10, 9, did today. Uh, I always do. It's one of my favorite verses in, in introducing that idea in the gospel message that if you proclaim with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And I almost always get the response, oh, I did that. Yeah. They're still abortion-minded. Uh-huh. Oh, I did that. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. I did Took that once. So. Check that box. Right, yeah. right. So so I spend so much time focusing on on, on that Jesus is Lord yeah. statement. Unfortunately, this is a, a manifestation of some of the weak gospel presentations that happen in churches across America, the easy believism. Mm -hmm. And basically the setup is, you know, here's the gospel, here's the problem of sin, and here's the box you need to check to take care of that problem. Right. Just pray after me, Jesus is Lord, and check you're saved. Check the box and you're good to go. Right. And the message of repentance, Mm -hmm. renewal of the heart, Mm -hmm. regeneration, the message of the holiness of God, a lot of that's been neglected. Yeah. And so again, there's this mentality that's been embraced by people that, you know, God's almost, God was created for you right. to fix your problems yep. rather than you were created for him. Yeah. And the holiness of God is, is so often neglected in, in showing this God who they'll stand before as holy 
really helps people understand it's not just checking a box, but I need to surrender yeah. my life to him. And of course, when yeah. your life is surrendered to him, you're not going to give yourself the things like fornication and abortion right. and, and sin. Right. He's not only holy, but just And that when you start introducing the idea of justice, that's another thing that is really neglected in, in yeah. my experience, at least in what I'm hearing. Maybe it is introduced in the churches, but I'm sure not hearing it reflected in, in what the women are saying, because even if God were a just God, then obviously God would demand that they not go in and kill this innocent child who has caused, committed no crime. Yeah. And that is not justice. So um, I, I often introduce Luke 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Yeah. And I say, Jesus himself tells you, if you're going to call him Lord, you're supposed to obey him. Yeah, and I think breaking down that word Lord is yes. important. Yeah. What does that word mean? If right. you think that Jesus, if you claim that Jesus is your Lord, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Yeah. Is Lord just a title? Yeah. Or does it imply that you're actually in subjection to what he says? Because yeah. that's what it means. It's actually can be translated master. Yeah. So if he's in charge, that's basically what it means. He's in charge. If mm-hmm. Jesus is in charge, is he okay with you killing your child that he created? And of course not. And that's a great way to ask it. And I think one of the big surprises for me when I started doing this work and sharing the gospel on a regular basis was people would, I would say, what does that mean when Jesus is Lord? And so many people could not answer that. Yeah. They didn't know it. They'd said it. Yeah. And and it was a big kind of revelation to them that they really had said it without knowing what that entailed, which is why they're showing up in an abortion center and calling yeah. Jesus Lord. Yeah. Well, it's just another now kind of a a common title that people mm-hmm. use for Jesus, just mm-hmm. like Jesus Christ. A lot of people can't tell you who are raised in church. What does Christ even mean? It's like, mm-hmm. is that Jesus's last name? Mm-hmm. No, it implies something. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah, mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus. Well, Lord just just a title, just something right. you tack onto like the front Mr. of Jesus' Mrs. name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mr. Jesus. But it has, biblically, it implies a lot more than just a title before the name of Jesus. Right. It's who he is if you're a Christian in your life. He's yeah. your master. He gets to say what goes. That's right. That's right. So, and I think we actually even did a podcast where we sort of presented that a little bit. Uh, but it, but if not, this is a good summary yeah, of, of that. So now, those are all unique concerns. And there's, I'm sure, many, many more, but those were the top five that kind of came to me as I as I was working on this and thinking through it. So now, what do we do with that? How do we present the gospel with those unique concerns in mind? Because we do believe that, that the way you present the gospel is sometimes different depending on your audience, who yeah. you're presenting it to, and the unique issues that arise from the unique audience that you're speaking with. So we already mentioned the first one, Be be careful about... The message of forgiveness. Yeah. If the first thing you call out, and I have heard this from new, inexperienced counselors, Jesus loves you, he'll forgive you, as they're on their way in yeah. to kill their baby. Is there a problem with that, Daniel? There's a big think? problem with that. Yeah, because, <laughs> listen, the fact is, will he forgive you? Not necessarily. He can. He's willing to, if you mm-hmm. repent. Mm-hmm. But you're... you're Offering the message of forgiveness at a at a at a bad time because it's grasped mm-hmm. onto as a justification for doing something so bad like killing your innocent child, yeah. and we shouldn't, you know, we, we got to share God's truth and God's word, 
But the message of God will forgive you is not necessarily a, a biblical truth from that standpoint. Right. It's God will forgive you if you repent. Yeah. And if you're giving justification to a mom to kill her child, we certainly don't want to have any part of that. So that's why we need to be careful of offering the message of forgiveness in that way. And one of my favorite verses is Hebrews eleven twenty six. 26. Um, if you willfully continue in sin, there remains no repentance for sin, but a fiery expectation of judgment. Yeah. And I, I don't even need to tell them what that means. I just say that verse and say, can you, is this continuing in sin? You know the truth. You're walking in there knowing the truth. Uh, what does that verse tell you? I think yeah. it's a huge warning. and Absolutely. And they usually agree. Yeah. So... Be forthright about calling sin what it is, I think, is the, is the second takeaway yeah. in, in some of the uni- unique concerns. A lot of us shy away from calling sin sin all the time, but especially in front of an abortion center because you don't want to make them mad at you. Yeah. I think that's when, I, right. when I'm careful about the words that I'm using and, you know, you don't want to tick them off so that you push them in right. to the abortion center, but you can sugarcoat it so much that there's no awareness that what they're doing is truly heinous, right. truly wrong. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the things we're talking about sin and calling sin, sin, there are those who shy away from calling abortion murder. Right. I did. I did for a long, long yeah. time. And I understand that. Yeah. And I think there can that certainly needs to be a consideration. I, I don't think it's helpful for us to to put that out that truth out there like an accusation. Right. You know, you're yeah. a murderer. Yes. As they're walking into an abortion center because I have seen it myself. Yeah. I've seen their feet move faster right. into that abortion center. Yeah. I actually think and we did um we we talked about in in a couple of episodes ago about words and words have mm-hmm. meaning and Yeah. I think being careful with our words and saying and this is what I say often don't go in there and take the innocent life of your baby. Right. Because it's almost like abortion is murder has become almost like a, a, a mantra or something like that mm-hmm. to where it, it doesn't really carry the weight that we think it might. Yeah. But if you're using words where you're trying to describe to this mother, don't go in there and take the innocent life of your baby. We're bringing right. things to her mind, hopefully, that will help her to understand the weight of what she's really doing. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't just become some cliche statement. Abortion is murder. Right. So there are gentler ways to call it sin, but call it sin. Don't yeah. don't don't be afraid to point out that this is wrong. Yeah, we certainly don't need to convey to this mother, don't go in there and make a terrible mistake. It's not a terrible yeah. mistake. It's yeah. sin. It's sin right. against God. Right. And I think that's why we need to mention God as we're talking to him. Like mm-hmm. we say often, is this something that God would ever have you to do? Would God want you to take the innocent life of your child? And honestly, that can be a showstopper, but uh, that happened to me today, which is why I thought that up. I I still think it's an absolutely critical, important thing to say. So on one hand, we're saying be careful. But on the other hand, don't be so careful that God is not brought into the equation. He must be brought into the uh, the equation. A woman rolled down her window today. I said, we have hope and help for you. My name and number is on the back of this information. Would you take this? And she's smiling and, and, uh, and said, sure. I said, you're on your way to the Women's Center. She was. And then I said, what would God have you do? After saying that we had hope and help. And she rolled the window up and drove away and yeah. drove into the abortion center. Uh, maybe I should have done something different. But it is usually what I introduce very, very quickly. In, yeah. And hopefully... You know, that, that percolates in their heart while they're sitting in there. Yeah. So uh, timing is important. Yeah, it is. And we don't always know the exact right timing. But no, listen, if we knew if we knew the end from the beginning, I think our, yeah. our counseling sessions would be 
far more effective, but we don't. But we don't, so we do our best. And so we do the best we can with yeah. the information that we have, and we need to be truthful and, and do things scripturally. Right. So, again, mentioning God, whether that made her roll the window up faster or who knows? Who yeah. knows what, you know, if the next thing you could have said could have been something about resources and she rolled her window up. Yeah. yeah. But but I have had the opposite response where I've said, what would God have you do when they cry? And then I'm able to speak more truth and they go yeah. on the RV. So I, I, but any way about it, whether they, whether that statement sends them running or not, that statement I think is an important statement that needs to be said at some point early on. Yeah. What absolutely. would God have you do or something along those lines, introducing God. We, you had already touched on this one a little bit to take the time to explain what real repentance means. Yeah, because I don't think that it's right. taught right now. It, it's not, and I think it is important. Again, like we talked about before, words do matter. Yeah, and using words, biblical words like repentance, can be helpful. It's a biblical word, but then explaining that word yeah. is helpful as well. Yeah. So when you have a one-on-one. You know, a lot of what we're talking about, we're not talking about calling out across the parking lot at the abortion center. Most cases, not. We're talking about one-on-one interactions for most of these cases. And so you have time to explain your words. Mm -hmm. You have time to explain. And so when I talk about repentance, you know, God calls you to repent, I will always, almost always at least, follow that up with, that means to turn away from sin. That means to stop doing the things that you know are offensive to the Lord. It's so more than just saying you're sorry, because that's what they'll say when I'll say, what does repentance mean? That's what I hear so often. It means you say you're sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's much more it than is just much saying more that than you're that. sorry. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, if I have the time to lay out, it's actually a turning mm-hmm. of your heart, your mind, mm-hmm. and your feet away from those things that are offensive to the Lord, the things mm-hmm. that he would never have you to do. Yeah, I like that, heart, mind, and your feet. Yeah. That's, a, that's actually a really good statement. And that's yeah. actually the biblical picture of repentance mm-hmm. is a 180-degree turn. You're walking right. in that direction. Mm-hmm. To repent is to walk in completely the opposite direction. Right. Yeah, that's good. Ask them where they are going, heaven or hell to discern works-based theology. Yeah. So, and that's very important. It's important in sharing the gospel with anyone, but I also think it's especially important with a post-abortive women, which actually most of the women, even the ones who choose life that time, have had a prior abortion. And if their understanding of God and a relationship with God is based on works, they're feeling condemnation. Oh, absolutely. So... The the single question that I think, maybe you have another one, but for me, the one question that really kind of immediately lets me know, do they believe they can work their way to heaven or not, is to say, where are you going, heaven or hell, and then why? Yeah. And how they answer that question. And that's an easy way to then have entree into sharing the rest of the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. And laying out that your good works cannot save you. Right. That only the good work that Jesus Christ did in his death, burial, and resurrection right. can rescue and, dis- and save you. Yeah. Because yeah. we do have a lot of people, even with the easy believism salvation, people that say they check the box. If you really get down into their thinking about, quote, religious things, they still have a works-based mentality. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, checking that religious box, mm-hmm. I, I did that. I said that prayer. 
is mm-hmm. kind of it's like workspace. A, it, it's workspace <laughs> right. really yeah. are you really trusting in christ that's the yeah. question are yeah. you trusting in him are you clinging to him mm-hmm. for salvation it's not works based it's really heart based right is your heart really trusting in christ yeah and for many of these folks that would use these excuses to kill their child and justify it uh obviously their hearts are not it's it's given to the lord that's right that's right, and uh, their faith, they'll say, I, I have faith, and and I have faith that so-and-so-and-so-and-so. But if you ask them, well, do you have faith only when things are going the way you want them to go, or do you have faith when God is telling you to do something that's hard? Yeah. And if you don't have the faith to do what God is telling you to do when something's hard, then I would challenge whether you have a saving faith. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, actually, I was talking to a young man who um, was given excuses about his girlfriend having the abortion. He was, he said he trusted the Lord. He said God was faithful and all these other things. Mm-hmm. And I said, really, where the rubber meets the road, which is right here, right now, mm-hmm. you're not trusting God. Right. You're telling yeah. me because of coronavirus because of your financial situation, because of this, because of that. Though God is trustworthy and his character is impeccable, and you confess to that, yet somehow right now his character is up for question. Because of the coronavirus, because of your financial situation, because of this, because of that, somehow God becomes not faithful anymore. Right. Can't trust him now. Can't trust him. Too tough, too tough a situation. Even though he holds the future in his hand and he's been faithful in the past, you're telling me he won't be faithful in the future? And so I really pressed him on the issue of trusting the Lord, and brought him to a point where he saw, and he agreed with me, yeah, I'm not really trusting God, am I? Yeah. Now, unfortunately, he didn't go in there and get his girlfriend out, but he certainly didn't get away with the idea that somehow he's trusting God when he's really not. I I gave him the truth, and I did it very forthrightly, but very graciously. He didn't stomp off mad. We had a a good, cordial conversation. conversation. Yeah, I I heard a lot of it. And it was, um, and I'm sure seeds were planted. And so maybe this baby wasn't saved, but maybe the next one will be. Maybe, maybe he he will be reconsidering. Yeah. And again, I certainly didn't just let him go with believing the idea that somehow he's he's trusting in the Lord when he's really not. Yeah. Um, Stung him with the truth, stung him with God's word. And he'll have to stand before the Lord and yeah. give an account. Hopefully, like you said, it planted seeds, and he yeah. he really truly God do the surrenders to the Lord and trusts. Yeah, him. I got a great text. I think it was this week from a mom who said uh, she was thanking Cities for Life for that, which is our ministry, our organization that that is there in front of the abortion center, and she she said because when she she chose life because we were there, and she said I I thought my situation that I faced was so awful and that it would never change. And she said, I'm so glad I chose life. Do you know every single thing has changed for the better? Every yeah. single thing. But she had put her faith in God and in doing the right thing before her circumstances changed. And how so often happens then God yeah. worked worked yeah. good things in, in her life. The next one is one that is not, I think, unique. I don't know why it's in here, but throw it in there. Convince them they're a sinner. That that yeah. you need to do that with everyone you share the gospel yeah, with. Yeah, one wise preacher said, you got to get people lost before you can get them saved. They don't know that they have to be found. <laughs> yeah. they don't, if they don't know they're lost, why are they trying to be found by yeah. our gracious God? <laughs> I mean, if they don't know that they have a sickness, then why would they take the remedy? That's right. And our, our uh, great... Um, encourager, at least from afar, Ray Comfort, in sharing yeah, the gospel. We, we it goes right Ray to that. <laughs> I love watching his videos. I love uh, 
just hearing the gospel presentations. Yeah. He talks about that very same thing. Yeah. You need to use the law to show people that they're sick, that they need a physician, because someone's not going to take a cure for a disease they don't believe that they have. Right. And most people walk around, you know, the Bible says each one will proclaim their own goodness. People think yeah. they're basically good. I'm a good person. Everybody else is evil, but I'm a good person. And you have to really get right to that thing and show them they're not a good person. Yeah. They're actually separated from God through their sin, and they're under God's judgment. But Jesus Christ came so that they might be saved. Right. But, and even just sometimes you have to just go to the point of, is is there truly evil? And um, to, today I, I said, is Hitler evil? And I just, and, and she agreed, yeah, there is evil, because she was someone who believed in a higher power, but uh-huh. not much of anything else. And um, and from there saying, so what does he deserve? Well, he deserves hell. She yeah. was quite certain of that. Oh, yeah. But she did not. She didn't. <laughs> and so then, so introducing the idea that she was indeed a sinner, that, that helped her to come to an understanding of why Jesus dying on the cross was necessary, why that yeah. penalty had to be paid. And that's the next one. Remind them there is a penalty for sin. We're yeah. a sinner. There is a penalty sin. And then I'll kind of speed us along, move to the remedy yeah. for sin, which is... The gospel of Jesus Christ. What Jesus Christ did in his death, burial, and resurrection is the remedy for the problem of sin. That's right. It's not trying hard, doing better, getting a bigger Bible or whatever. It's surrendering to what Jesus Christ has done. That's how you get salvation. Right. And and then if then and only then if they understand all that has been said and you truly understand. If you, you you say, "Do you understand everything? Do you have any questions? Is there anything you disagree with?" No, I agree with all of that. It, this all makes sense. At that point, I will extend an invitation. If yeah. I really believe that they have truly grasped and understood uh, sincerely everything that that's been raised, then I extend an invitation for them to ask to submit their life to Jesus. Ask him to be Lord of their life and begin that process of yeah. of walking with God. Yeah. Yeah, I know I've heard folks that have a problem with this, extending an invitation for people. Yes. Do yes. you want to get right with God right now? Yeah. Some people say, you know, you should just let it be between them and the Lord. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Yeah. But I do think that it's important to get them Again, it's not decision, believe, easy believism, get them to check a box, but to get them to acknowledge before God and before other people their sin and their need for a Savior and to ask God to rescue and to save them. Yeah. And giving them an opportunity to pray, and you've done it mm-hmm. several times. I've yeah. seen it with some men I've ministered to on the mm-hmm. sidewalk, to pray and ask Jesus to save them from their sin. I'll even get them to... Go through and confess their sins. Name yeah. out what your yeah. sins are. You're not yeah. you're not talking to me, so I make sure they direct their attention to the Lord. Right. You're talking to God. Yeah. God knows all this stuff anyway. Confess it to him and God can wash your sins away. Yeah. To today after I shared the gospel, the woman went from agnostic, believing in a higher power but really knowing nothing else, to that is a beautiful story. She agreed. And she understood, and it was clear from the questions she had asked. And I did say, you know, you could do this at any moment. You can submit your life to Jesus from this moment forward, and I'm yeah. happy to pray with you if you want to pray. She said, you know what? I really am going to think about this. This, this, there's, there's been, you've given me a lot to, to consider, but I am not ready to fully commit right now. And I feel like this is something I need to fully commit to. And that is a great statement. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I said, that is wonderful. And I think you should think about it, pray about it. 
but I would not wait too long. I do, I do feel an urgency that yeah. maybe not everyone feels. But the Bible says, while it is yet today, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. Yeah. And, I, and we, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so some of the key verses for sharing the gospel, and maybe then we can wrap, wrap it up with those. The concept of personal sin, Romans 3.23. Yeah. One of my favorites. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The penalty for sin, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Do you have a favorite for repentance? Yeah, well, repent or you shall likewise perish. Was that well, that's a Luke good chapter one. 13? That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, so I'll remember that one. Um, there's a path back to God through Jesus. I love Romans 10.9 for that, which I had already mentioned. Um, focusing on lordship. Yeah. which is one of the most common misunderstandings and of false conversions, I believe, is not understanding Lord. Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Yeah. And not everyone, Matthew seven twenty one is another great one, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. I think that's a powerful That is verse. a powerful and, and scary verse for yeah. people who are not living for the Lord. It is. Not, have not truly surrendered their life to Jesus and yet, have his name on their lips. Yeah. I think something for me um, and that kept me from sharing the gospel was because there's so many great verses and there's so many that you could focus on. So I think it is important to go through and think about what are the key elements and what are some key verses that really resonate with you that, that get that key concept across to whoever you're talking to and memorize those yeah. verses. Yeah, Absolutely. And not be afraid, not be afraid, because the, the it is the power of God alone is, is what's going to change this whole abortion issue. Yeah, and change, it, that change happens with individual hearts mm-hmm. being surrendered to the Lord. So I want to encourage you guys, share the gospel out there on yeah. the sidewalk. Don't neglect sharing the gospel. Encourage us. Maybe there are some things that we missed in this podcast. Maybe you're involved in sidewalk ministry. You're out there on a regular basis, and you're sharing the gospel. And there's some stuff we didn't touch on, some wisdom you can give to us. We certainly don't think that we have it all together. Right. So reach out to us. Share those things. You can reach out to me, D Parks at citiesforlife.com, her, V Cassiorg at citiesforlife.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. We appreciate you guys that share this podcast. Please continue to share it. But until next time, God bless. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude I know it will cost me my life But nothing's too precious since I met you